Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Well, today we, uh, we begin the series on... Uh, Salt and Light, that's our new series for the next several Sundays. And I want to lay what I want to call the foundation for the series itself by highlighting uh, the declaration of salt of the earth and light of the world. Where does that concept come from? Where does that come from? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, I want to use this as our text this morning. Verse 18, it says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in these moments that you would use them to accomplish what you want to accomplish in this service today. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. And all the people said amen. amen. It was unusual for a rabbi to behave in the manner in which Jesus behaved. Rabbis were sought after by those who longed to be taught by them. The initiative came from the would-be student rather than from the rabbi. But Jesus summons his followers himself. And he summons his followers not just to be students, but he summons them to be active partners with him in doing the Father's business. You see, God has always chosen his partners. He chose Noah. He chose Abraham. He chose Moses. He chose David. He chose the prophets. He chose Israel himself, a whole nation of people, with the intention of them being partners with him. So it's not surprising that Jesus would say to his disciples a little bit later, you, you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What we've been saying here at South Bay for the past six months, one way or another, we've been saying God has chosen you. All the way back in, from October when we started with the Matrix, we've been saying to you in a variety of ways, God 
has chosen you. First to follow Jesus. He has chosen you first to follow Jesus. He came to wherever you were. And he summoned you to become his follower. Some of us were kids. Some of us were teenagers. Some of us came late in life. Wherever and whenever he found each one of us and summoned us to become his followers. I don't know about you, but I am so glad he found me. I don't know where my life would be today if he had not found me. I'm glad he was patient and sought me and then wrapped his loving arms around me and made me his child. Amen. He left heaven and came to earth to show his determination to find wherever we were so that we may be summoned to become his. So what do we mean when we say Jesus says, follow me? What does he mean when he uses the term, follow me? I think there are three concepts that Jesus conveys in this thought. The first is this, follow me and I will be your example. He was saying, if you follow me, I'll show you how to live. Follow me, he is saying, and I'll teach you the values that you will need to have to survive in a world that has fallen and is broken. Follow me and observe what I do. Do what I do. Live like I live. And your life will be rich and fulfilling and satisfying and worth living if you follow me. In the biblical times when Jews were choosing rabbis, the the concept was that wherever the rabbi went, you went. Whatever the rabbi said, you said. Whatever the way the rabbi behaved, that's how you behaved. And so Jesus was following that same tradition when he says to you and I, follow me, follow me. I will be the example. And when you read the Gospels, you see the example that Jesus gives to us as to how we are to live. Follow me and I will be your example. Second, follow me and I'll always be with you. Jesus was asking us to follow him so that he could be our companion. He intends to have a hanging out relationship with us. He wants to go to Starbucks with us. He wants to sit down wherever we sit down. Wherever we stroll, he wants to stroll. Whoever you're with, he wants to be there with you. He wants to communicate and connect with us in such a way. He never intends for us to experience any aspect of life alone. Nothing that is to transpire in our our existence on this planet are we to experience that alone. No matter what it is. He wants to be with us when we're going through whatever we're going through. So to Jesus, follow me means I will always, always, always be with you. The third thing is if you follow me, I want to help you discover significance. These men in the text were fishermen by trade. And Jesus approaches them and says to them, if you follow me, 
I'm going to upgrade you. You no longer are going to be men who are obsessed with catching perch and bass. But if you follow me, I'm going to help you to catch men. And catching men adds significance to your life. In verse 17 of this text, he just told them that the kingdom of God is near. And now he needs followers to go and get people so that they can become a part of the kingdom of God. He wanted them to understand that significance is not in our toys. Significance is in impacting the lives of people. It's not how many things we have that gives us significance. It's how many lives we touch that gives us significance. So Jesus says, follow me. And I will help you discover significance. So I asked, what was it that made these men stop what they were doing to follow Jesus? I think it was the way Jesus looked at them. And the way and the tone in which he spoke to them. And these men could tell through the way that he looked at them and the tone that he spoke to them that he valued them. You become a follower when he who is asking you to follow values you. See, I think there are three unspoken questions that every follower has when they are approached by anyone to be their leader. And while you may never say it, In your heart, you are thinking it. When someone says, follow me, I'm going to be your leader. What's in your head first is, do you care for me? Somebody's going to follow you or me only when they sense that we care for them. We we don't want to know how much you know. We want to know how much you care. Is my life following you? Can you demonstrate that you are looking out for my best interests? Or are you simply trying to use me for your best interests? And so what we, what we have in our hearts when someone asks us to follow them, the first question is, do you care for me? The second question is, can you help me? If I'm going to follow you, in other words, if I follow you, is it going to get better for me? Is my life going to improve by following you? Are things going to change if I follow you? Are, is, is things going to brighten up in my life if I follow you? So that second question has to do is if I follow you, what's going to happen to me? Are things going to get better for me by following you? Or would they be better if I followed somebody else? And then the third question we ask is, can I trust you? For if I follow you, will you be true to your word? Will you be faithful? Can I, can I count on you to be there? Is your word what you say? Can I put my life on that? You see, and while we may never say that to a person who, who, uh, who's asking us to follow him, inside, all those questions are going through our hearts before we say yes and sign up. Jesus says yes to all those questions. You can ask Jesus, Jesus, if I follow you, do you really care for me? And we already know, those of us who follow Jesus know, he cares for us. He cares for us. 
which is why we run to him when we begin to hurt, because we know Jesus cares for us. Amen. Amen. And we also know he helps us. We know our lives are better for following Jesus. Anybody in this room who started to follow Jesus and your life is not better now than it was before you started following Jesus. You may say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I had more money before I followed Jesus. I had more this, I had that, I had more the other. It doesn't matter about those things. Is your life better because you're following Jesus? And yes, we would say, yeah, following Jesus makes my life better. And then the third thing would be, can I trust Jesus? And we, those of us who are following him would say, oh, yeah, you can trust Jesus. We found him to be faithful down through the years. That's why we sing the song, where he leads me, I will follow. Because we know wherever he leads, he can be trusted. He, take him through the fire, he can be trusted. If you take me through the storms, he can be trusted. If life gets tough, he can be trusted. If I lose a loved one, he can be trusted. If I lose my job, he can be trusted. If I don't know how I'm going to survive, he can be trusted. You learn through life that Jesus can be trusted. And so his answer to all of those questions that we all have when someone asks us to follow them is yes. He can be trusted. But here's the thing. I've heard it said many times, it's wonderful when the people believe in the leader. But it's more wonderful when the leader believes in the people. Jesus was a believer in people. He saw those fishermen who others would have overlooked as insignificant and having little value other than providing fish. Jesus saw what no one else saw in those boats. He saw men when those boats mending their nets and catching fish. He saw in those boats transformational leaders who would change the world forever. When he looked at those men, he saw men who we would be talking about 2,000 years later. You are here today because of those men. You believe in Jesus because of those men. You say, no, 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 I don't believe in Jesus because of those men. I believe in Jesus because he's the son of God. Who told you he was the son of God? It was those men who told you he was the son of God. It was their interaction with him who transformed the world. And all of us have been transformed ever since. No one would ever look at them and saw what Jesus saw. Because Jesus valued them. He not only saw value in them, he sees value in you. Just as he saw beyond the immediate in them, he sees beyond the immediate in you. And when you trace the life of Jesus through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, what you see in the behavior of Jesus is his constant value of people. 
He values people. If you take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, chief tax collector in the region. He'd become very rich. He tried to get to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed the sycamore tree that was beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give it back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now notice this. Jesus valued Zacchaeus more than Zacchaeus valued himself. Jesus valued Zacchaeus more than all the people of Jericho valued Zacchaeus. Why? Jesus saw Zacchaeus as a tent. The rest of the people saw him as less than a ten. Jesus saw him as a ten. Why? Because he was made in the image of God. He was given gifts by God, talents by God, purposed by God, a why for being on this planet by God. And Jesus saw that and said, that's a ten. I'm going to his house. That's a ten. Here's another one. John chapter 4. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus said to Jesus, she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Drop down to verse 27. It says this. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? And why are you talking to her? All of us have seen Christians like that, haven't we? In fact, some of them come to this church. But here it is again. Jesus valued the Samaritan woman more than she valued herself. And he valued her more than the members of his church valued. See, this is the attitude that Jesus embodies. People are valued by Jesus. The adulteress thrown at his feet was valued. By Jesus. The little children that the disciples tried to keep from getting close were valued by Jesus. 
The widow woman who left her smallest offering at the temple was valued by Jesus. Lazarus, who was his friend, who became sick and Jesus delayed until he died, was valued by Jesus. See, all people have value to Jesus. Now, here's what I know. When we don't value people like Jesus, it grieves the heart of God. Some of us think that the only thing that grieves the heart of God is when we do some sin. And when we do some sin, we cry, we repent, we snot, we do all kinds of stuff, asking God, oh, God, please forgive me for this great sin. Let me tell you what grieves the heart of God. What grieves the heart of God is when we don't value people. You see, if I value God as a Christ follower, then I have to value what God values. And God values people. Now, let me say this. To value people has to be intentional. Because by nature, we are selfish. Let that sit for a minute. By nature, we are selfish. When we get up in the morning, what's on our mind is what's going to happen good for me today. What am I going to do that's good for me today? How many people am I going to go come across who's going to do something good for me today? So therefore, the only way I can value people is I have to do the opposite of what is normal for me. What is normal for me is to think about me. So the only way I can value people is I have to intentionally reject the temptation to only think of myself and to think of how can I value and serve other people. It's the only way in which I can fulfill what God's desire is, is I've got to say to myself, no, this is not about me. And intentionally value people. To say that I am a Christ follower and not yet value other people is to say we are a Christ follower in words, but not in deeds. So how is it possible to be the salt and light if we don't value people? See, I can't be salt and light if I don't value people, because then all I'm doing is the mechanics of what church people is supposed to do. But if I value people, then being the salt and light is a natural outgrowth of valuing what God has placed in our lives. It is our desire here at South Bay Church to, to not only be salt and light Locally, but we want to be salt and light globally. Changing the world is not just a slogan for us. It's our mission. It's why we're here. Changing the world is not a cliche for us. It's what we're about. Seven years ago, we literally changed the world for a village in Malawi.
literally changed the world for a village in Loali. We took 200 kids and adopted them as a church. We adopted 200 kids and impacted and changed their lives completely. As a church, we invested in the lives of children we didn't know because we valued, we valued them. We not only took on 200 kids to support, give me my next slide, but we helped them to develop businesses to support themselves. They had fish ponds in which they would breed fish, not only to eat, but as a business to sell. There were three village or three fish ponds when we went to Malawi. There were 15 fish ponds when we left Malawi. Amen. We not only helped them with the fish ponds. My next slide. We helped them develop other kinds of businesses like a juice factory where they clicked or taken the fruit from the trees and converted it into juice and put those juice in bottles and provided it to their community and sold that as a business in order to support themselves. Give me my next slide. We built this building for them. It was a community center. They had no place where they could all gather and be protected from the sun and the elements. We built this brand new, beautiful community center for them. Who? who? South Bay Church did that. South Bay Church built that center for the people in Malawi. My next slide. We helped them to develop other kinds of ways of eating. And so they learned how to take the, the vegetables from the trees and fruit and the things that were growing right in their village, converted into food that they could eat themselves, healthy food. Nobody was walking around our village with a big belly anymore. Those folks had nutritional food that they could take care of themselves. Amen. Do I have another one? This is the inside of that community center. This was the last day we were there. They wanted to celebrate with us, so they got palms and trees and all kinds of things. And the kids marched around in a parade, and they celebrated this new community uh, center that South Bay Church built in order that they might have a better life in that community. Amen. And if you ask, how do you know you change things? We know because they told us right there. South Bay Church, our friends from South Bay, you have transformed our lives. Amen. Amen. And so that's the past. That's what we did seven years ago. But we want to change the world again. And we want to change it in the poorest country in the world. If you go to the UN source and you look for the five poorest countries in the world at the bottom of the list the poorest of the world is the Republic of of Congo you wouldn't believe what war has done to that country 
to its economic system, to its health system. All of its systems have been broken down, and poverty prevails in that country. Now, here's the thing, people. These folks don't have to die. These kids don't have to die. They're dying because they're not getting the help that they need. They're not getting the medicine that they need. They're not getting the care that they need. They don't have to die. Now, we can make a difference. And so what we want to do is to take on a clinic. This is a clinic that's about six or seven miles from the hospital. We are one of 108 other groups who are doing the same thing. We're sprinkling 108 clinics around the, uh, the villages in the Congo. This is the clinic that's been assigned to us. We want to put a solar panel on the roof of this clinic. They have no electricity. They cannot maintain the medicines and things they have because they have no electricity. So we want to put a solar panel on, these, on all of our clinics so that they have electricity to take care of what they have as well as to continue to care for people at night. We want to provide all the pharmaceuticals and all the medicine or medical supplies that they need to be able to handle the people in this village. And could you go down a little bit further? And we want to pay the salaries of these nurses who are basically working for peanuts to survive the care for other people. We can do this for $10,000 a year. Do you think we can do $10,000 a year? Can I see the hands of those of you? Can I see the hands of those of you who think we can do $10,000 a year to save lives in the poorest country in the world? Amen? Amen. So we are, as a church, taking this on, and we are going to make a difference and change the world again. Amen. 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 And so we're launching this today, and we're beginning this program to support the poorest of the poor. I am so charged about this that I'm going to take an offering right now. I believe that we can do incredible things as followers of Christ simply because we can. Jesus sought us, said, follow me. And what did he do? He healed the sick. Wherever he went, he healed the sick. We can heal the sick. He brought the dead back to life. We can save people from never even facing death with simple things like medicine and water and electricity. And so I'm going to ask you, South Bay, let's jump in and let's do this. Amen. Let's do this and change the world again. I'm going to ask our host to come, and we're going to allow you to participate in making this happen.
Now, I'm not sure that we're going to get $10,000 in the offering this morning. But you never know. There's one person in this room who might say, I'll give you $10,000. You never know who's in the audience, and you never know what God will do. And so if God leads you to put 1000 or 10000 or if you say, I'll cover the whole thing for three years, if you want to put the whole 30000 in, that's fine. We'll find someplace else to change the world. We'll just keep adding until we impact it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Father, it is our joy and privilege to give to make a difference in the world. You found us. You chose us. You sent us. Now we want to take a portion of what you've given to us and give it to others. Because just like you, we value them. Put a 10 on each of our heads and help us to see what we can do for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.